Wait. Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Oh, <laughs> you're, you're back. What are you, what are you doing here? I just, I mean, I, I assume you're here for a, a, a podcast episode. I just, I wasn't expecting, expecting you after, after last episode. It just, it wasn't very good, you know? Felt very robotic to me, you know? Usually podcasts are, like, informative or entertaining, but last episode was neither. So, I don't know. I Sorry, I just, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I can do another episode. I'm sorry. I, I hate that you came all this way, but you, you can, you should just, you should get out of here. There is not anything for you here today. Seriously, I'm 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 like not even prepared for this. I can't I can't do an episode. You should you should just go. Are you really gonna wait for me to say something else? I'm 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 not. Just turn off your episode podcast player whatever. Turn it off now, okay? I'm not doing anything today. Save yourself some time and just go away. I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I just, I wasn't, I, I was seriously not expecting you to be here. You okay, bud? You're really not going to leave, are you? Okay, well, uh, I don't know. I haven't watched the second episode of Stranger Things yet, so I can't talk about that but i did i did just finish the first two of the stranger things books that got released um maybe i could talk about one of those would that would that make you happy without will you if i did that would you leave me and my son alone okay all right um i guess well um i guess welcome to stranger wings Sawyer, chill, dude. I am your host, Nicholas Margellis. With me, as always, is my son, Sawyer, who is playing with the mic, and I apologize for that noise. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Stranger Wings, a podcast where we not only deep dive into the world of Stranger Things, but we also ask ourselves, how do you like your chicken wings? Um, <laughs> every two weeks or so, I hope to be taking you on a flight of discovery. And together we will dive into the Stranger Things canon, uncovering and dissecting all that it's lore. Oh, are we upset? Are we upset that we can't play with the the microphone? Here's your binky. How's that? Um, I don't know. What was I saying? I was talking about how we want to dissect things that the lore has to offer. And, I don't know, we'll, we'll read some of the books and the comics and we'll watch and read some of the inspirations for Stranger Things. And all the while, we'll be eating chicken wings. 
Some made by ourselves, but more often than not, they will be obtained from some of our favorite and least favorite local eateries. Like today, uh, we're eating some wings from a popular Des Moines, Iowa barbecue joint. Uh, they themselves have described themselves as world famous. Now, is this true? That's for you to decide and decide you will. As today, we will be discussing Jethro's Barbecue. Hi, I'd like to place an order for pickup. Yeah, can I get a name for you? Sure, it can be Mick. Okay, what can I get for you, buddy? I'm just going to do um, 10 of the slow smoked wings. Okay. Um, and it could be a uh, hot buffalo for the sauce. Okay, any ranch or blue cheese on the side? Uh, I'll, do, I'll do some ranch. Okay, and what else? That's going to be it for me today. Sounds great. Thank you so much. There's a lot to say about Jethro's Barbecue as it has a long history. And I also have quite a history with it, so let's get into it. Jethro's Barbecue began back in 2008 when Des Moines real estate developer and landlord Bruce Gellerman decided to open up a barbecue restaurant after the success he had with his seafood restaurant, believe it or not. Bruce had uh, just recently visited his youngest daughter in Austin, Texas, where he experienced tons of great barbecue, and he wanted to bring that experience to Des Moines. However, a year before this, in 2007, an 18-year-old woman was visiting her 19-year-old relative at her new studio apartment in downtown Des Moines when the landlord stopped by and invited them both to his own apartment for drinks. He served them both strongly mixed white Russian cocktails, despite both of them being under the legal drinking age. The woman later recalled the landlord getting a bit handsy with her and her being uncomfortable by this. That landlord was none other than Bruce Gellerman. Bruce then uh, started coming by this woman's bar every night. He would do this often. He would grab a seat at the bar and grab her around uh, the waist. Uh, he would try to kiss her on the lips and, and she would try to turn away but there were times where he did get her on the lips quite a few times i mentioned this because uh many say that bruce had the idea for jethro's then not when he went to austin but when he realized he could take advantage of all the pretty waitresses and bartenders even more if he was their boss now jethro's had a killer start within its first five years it had been on Man vs. Food, ESPN, huge spread in Men's Health magazine. Things were looking great for them. They had this food contest where um, it was called like the Adam Amanecker Challenge, uh, named after some sports person. I don't know. I'm not, it's not a sports podcast, okay? Um, it was what was on it? It was spicy pickle, pork, pork tenderloin, tenderloin, some deep fried cheese, some buffalo chicken, some beef brisket, a bacon cheeseburger all sandwiched between a bun with a spicy pickle and a one pound side of waffle fries. Now this challenge is named after a famous basketball player who went to the Drake University, which is in this area. And I guess he would come in and these were the favorite foods that he'd order. So they created a challenge for this. Now, the big so um, they started opening up uh, a lot of locations because of their success. I think they just opened up their ninth location as of last year. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 well, well now, now I feel like it's a good time where I can tell you my connection to the restaurant. 
Um, before I became the dad by morning, bartender by night-esque man that you know me as today, I spent many nights working as a sales rep for different local beverage companies, um, a brewery and a cidery to be exact. Now, um, not to get too specific or in the weeds here, but I worked for companies that uh, self-distributed their product, uh, which is something I personally find very admirable. You see, when, uh, when you self-distribute, you're taking ownership of your product and you're making sure that the kegs or cans that go out into the world are the best representation of your product. But this comes with many challenges. Most of those challenges come from the competition with bigger distribution companies. For example, I often had a lot of struggles getting into certain bars or grocery stores because these bigger distribution companies would 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 take over everything. Um, like for, uh, for me, one of the, the things I always think is is the biggest example of this is how grocery store like let's say you worked the people that work in 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 like a wine and spirits section of a grocery store here in, in iowa they never stock their shelves those people that work in that section are just there to maybe talk to someone if they have questions but really they're just there at like the checkout almost always because in iowa here the the people that deliver their products are also the ones that have to keep those shelves stocked and looking clean and tidy like so they, they they have these big distribution companies have like a person that delivers the beer and then they'll have like 16 other people that'll also show up around this same exact time and they'll all just work together to make sure that the stocks are sh or the shelves are stocked as as fully as possible whereas you know the self-distributing companies like myself it's almost a, a one-man show it's a, a one two-man show you know uh and so there was many times where because you know we're not at a grocery store to add a few more you know cans from the back onto the onto the shelves our stuff wouldn't sell or even bigger distri distributing companies would like take over our space on shelves you know um, because they could and it's illegal technically, but they would do it. I, I don't know if that really makes sense, but it is It was an, uh, a huge struggle for me. I, I'm, I'm saying all of this to say like Getting sales I'm saying all of this to say that getting sales was a challenge but one of the easiest places for me to get sales uh, was at any of the Jethro's um, they would almost always take something from me and, and it became a frequent, frequent stop for me. I would, I would eat lunch there often. Um, the bartenders who worked there were always very nice to me and because it's a popular place, they, they would sell quite a bit, you know what I mean? And so it was, it was, it was an easy stop where I knew, Hey, these people are willing to work with me. They're willing to look past the fact that I'm not some giant corporation who will be there on the die you know on the on the uh, you know on the drop of a dime i it might take me a little while to get something to you because i'm a smaller company um but they would understand it and, and for me that went a long way and and also i'm not like the biggest 
eater when I'm out and about at places, especially one because it's expensive, and two, I just I, I don't get super hungry sometimes. And if I eat too much, then it slows me down. But they had this like three dollar chili bowl that I would get, and I'll I'll have one of the beers, and then like it was it was just like a great like eight dollar meal that uh, it was just a little chili and a beer at 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 Jethro's. It was great. I would have it all the time. It's literally the opposite of the Adam Emmenecker challenge or whatever, but um, it was fun. But um, then I learned about Bruce. I learned about his uh, Republican Party affiliations, his anti-homosexuality stances, his many, many assaults towards women, the, the workspace that he was uh, building where other managers were also assaulting women, um, and, and, and he has a terrible uh, taste in uh, girlfriends. His, his uh, girlfriend at the time for a while, and maybe still Cynthia Fodor, who's like uh, this like uh, CBS reporter journalist lady. Um, but she's a terrible person, and I think that they're probably terrible together. But I mean, terrible loves terrible, doesn't it? You know, I don't know. Is that a phrase? And uh, uh, I don't know. I began to feel bad for all the time that I spent at Jethro's and I haven't eaten there since until today. Today's episode and all episodes of season one of Stranger Wings is brought to you by Kellogg's Eggo Waffles. Mornings are never easy. In fact, they're usually quite hard. But you know what isn't hard after you put it in a toaster? <laughs> That's right. Eggo Waffles. Eggo waffles are soft, fluffy, and a delicious way to start your day. As many of you know, I'm a new father. And as a new father, I'm always looking for ways to get an easy win. And Eggo waffles is that way. I'm never worried about making a huge mess in the kitchen, long prep times, super hard food that isn't soft, nothing like that. You put your Eggos in the toaster, it's out, it's soft, it's delicious. And with so many great flavors to choose from, even the pickiest of eaters can find something to like. <laughs> so go ahead, get your easy wins where you can, when you Lego with Ego. Hello, and welcome back to the pod. Um, we're um, trying to get Sawyer, I think, to sleep right now, because he's a little cranky. I've, I've tried recording this second part of the podcast a few times here, but you keep interrupting me, and now you're, yeah, you're very interested, you're very curious about why daddy talks into this microphone, aren't you? You're, you're very, you're very concerned by it. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, I tried, um, okay. <laughs> Chill, one sec. One sec. Um, I really, there's, it would be so much easier for me to just put Sawyer in the other room uh, and put him to sleep or something like that. But uh, I want him to, he's the co-host, you know what I mean? I want him to be on every episode. I want him, I want to look back on the podcast and be like, oh, I made that with Sawyer. I made that with him around. He was, I was holding him, I was wearing him, I was sitting next to him, whatever it may be, 
but um, I'm getting off track. Uh, Jethro's wings. I really, I think I'm done talking about Jethro's wings. Actually, uh, this is the only thing I will say about it. Uh, big wings, and I like big wings. Usually, I like big wings, and I cannot lie. Uh, but the problem with the bigger wings is, is that they are harder to cook. You know what I mean? Like. There's more more layers of skin or of not skin of of meat that you have to kind of get through. So 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 I I think Jethro's doesn't nail. It doesn't it always doesn't it just doesn't feel perfectly cooked all the way through. You know what I mean? For as far as wings go, like it's not like they're they're cooked. They're fine, but it's just like small wings are easy to cook. They're just they taste the same all around. You know what I mean? Right, Sawyer? Yeah, that's we don't need to talk about Jethro's anymore. That's I uh, told you everything that you need to know about Jethro's, and and that's that. So yeah, uh, uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's this is the second Stranger Things novel that was released. Uh, it was released back in May of 2019. I've read both of the first two books. Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town being the second one, and the first one being Suspicious Minds. And I think I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to wait to talk to, about Suspicious Minds until season two because I feel like that's where it becomes a bit more applicable uh, for discussion purposes. But for me personally, after the first episode of Stranger Things, I Hopper was um, I was like I'm I'm very curious about Hopper and I want to know more about Hopper. This book gave us that opportunity. The book was initially billed as like an official Stranger Things novel with the attend with the intention that people would perceive this novel as canon to the Stranger Things universe. But I will say just as a heads up, as we go along and, and, and we go over more and more of the books and, and the comics, uh, it'll become clear to you that the, the this is not true. Like, none of these really kind of... There's always a little bit of uh, some sort of inconsistency between... The, the television and, and and the books and the comics. And, and it does kind of feel like sometimes the show will overwrite something that's been established in books or comics. So will that kind of stuff happen from this book as well? Maybe. But as of now, we can kind of take some of this uh, as some sort of um, idea about uh, what happened to Hopper back in, back in the day, maybe. I will say as far as canon stuff goes darkness on the edge of town mostly keeps to itself it's a pretty self-contained story uh it takes place in well technically it takes place between season two and three of the show which would be about 1984 it's around christmas time but but the story is a sort of a story within a story it's so 1984, Hopper is telling Elle the story of him as an NYPD uh, detective back in 1977. So uh, most of the story takes place in 1977. So here's the scene. This, this, it's Christmas time, 1984. Elle and Hopper are snowed in at the cabin while the rest of the gang, all of Elle's friends, are away visiting family and friends for the holidays. So, like, no one's really, like, in, in, in radio range or anything like that. A bored Elle is trying to keep herself entertained, and she stumbles upon uh, some files, uh, some of, you know, Hopper's old NYPD, NYPD files, you know? 
and she kind of asks him, Hey, share a story with me. Tell me what this is. Like, you know, uh, and it's, and it's, it's her wanting to learn more about him. You know what I mean? Um, for me personally, my impression of the scene is, is, is both Hopper and L have been, have been broken or have, have, uh, been hurt in a very intense way, I think. And, and this is two people who are learning how to trust people again. And I think that's kind of what this story feels like to me personally. And I think that, uh, uh that as a general theme of what this book is about more than more than the actual story that takes place in 1977, but instead is a story of a, a father and daughter both learning to love and trust each other again. Right, Sawyer? I don't know. I just think that that's a, a beautiful sentiment. Um, anyway, uh, Hopper tells Al that uh, back in 1977, he was living in Brooklyn with his wife and his young daughter. He's an NYPD homicide detective. One day he's attending the birthday party of one of his daughter's friends and uh, Hopper then like at the party wanders into a different room where the parents are having like their own entertainment uh, in the form of a magician slash palm reader. Uh, this, this, quote unquote magician calls on Hopper for a reading and she uh as soon as she grabs his hands suddenly goes into this like trance and starts speaking about waves of darkness that swallows up everything uh it's it's I don't know it's th this is one of those things where it's, it feels like maybe it's a a premonition of the upside down or or some of the the related events uh, of 1983 overall it, in the moment Hopper just kind of passes it by like, Oh, she was just some, some crazy person. You know what I mean? And I don't know, to me reading that, I'm like, well, the, Hopper, like obviously something kind of follows you, my dude, like this lady's predicting something terrible to happen. And do you remember when something kind of terrible happened? I guess, I don't know. Season two still feels maybe early, as far as, like, crazy stuff happening to them. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I know. I know. I agree. That's what I was thinking, too, Sawyer. Anyway, but when Hopper goes to work the next day, he has assigned a new partner. This feisty, strong-headed female partner, uh, Detective Delgado. She's the first female to ever make it to homicide, and uh, a lot of the other men in the department like to remind her of this. Uh, but don't worry, guys. Hopper is an ally. Uh, exactly. You'd hope so, right? Like, uh-huh. So he's very supporting of Delgado, and he works well with her. Uh, the two of them are, are start investigating a recent string of killings that appear to maybe be the work of a serial killer. Cause there's some, like some similar clues that happen along the way. Um, uh, but while they're investigating this, uh, the case is pulled by this, their superiors. And I think it's, it's given to, they say like outside federal investigators, maybe it's FBI, maybe it's something else, but, but, but Hopper and Delgado stay on the case. They, they, secretly are are still looking up stuff hopper gets uh, in and out of a few pickles uh but but eventually he is kind of caught in, in in a certain pickle and is saved by the federal investigators 
who took over the case. And he, in return for, for them saving Hopper, they asked him to go undercover and infiltrate a street gang, a street gang that they think is at the heart of the killings. Hopper infiltrates the game. He, the gang, he eventually becomes close to the gang leader, whose name is St. John. St. John, that's right. And he, uh, he's a, a fellow Vietnam vet. Well, eventually Hopper discovers that St. John has been using veteran support groups to recruit for his gang. And St. John is doing this get this by using mind control over them it is revealed that saint john is subject zero of the mk ultra program and 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 it and it, 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 it fucked him up it did it did a number on saint john this is one of the only other moments of the book where it kind of connects to the tv series from what we understand the series where lab or l was created this the, the lab where L was created uh, is some kind of like spinoff from MK Ultra. So maybe whoever did this mind control on St. John stuff uh, or gave St. John these like somewhat almost superpowers. Uh, maybe they also did that to, uh, to L. I don't It's There's a possibility there, but it's not really delved into at all. Anyway, St. John is amassing this, uh, army of multiple gangs all under his mental mind power controls i don't know and he has intent on overrunning new york city uh in an event that he calls the day of the serpent um as well saint john's explanation uh, of his plan for day of the serpent he makes mention of being visited by the devil and giving instructions to summon the veil of shadow over earth, which like sounds familiar kind of like maybe St. John met the mind flare maybe, or Vecna, Ven well, Vecna probably not right. Like Vecna's not around yet unless Vecna can time travel. News just came out that Vecna is in, um, He's in the the Stranger Things play, which I think also takes place in like the 50s or something. So like, Vecna could be around in the 50s. He can be around in the 70s. Um, let's see. Well, and he might be around actually. I don't know. Let's. These might actually be happening around the same time. Because 77, 84. I mean, yeah, that's makes sense to me, kind of. So what was I saying? Um. <laughs> what was I saying? I lost my train of thought completely. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, what, 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 what happens at this point? This point in the book, there's like a uh, sort of the 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 parodies. I feel like start coming in at this point, and because New York all of a sudden goes into like a blackout, and and the city is in chaos, and so there there's this like warriors slash escape from new york parodies almost happening with uh, hopper like on the run from certain gangs and, and everyone's out to get them and um uh it should be noted that this blackout is based on the real blackout of 1977 in new, in new york so there is some uh uh-huh what was you gonna say sawyer 
What's that? Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, there is some truth to it. I don't know. I don't know why I'm pointing that out. There's truth to the, the fact that there was a blackout in 1977, but I think that's also that goes that coincides with what's that? Oh, really? I just think it coincides with the obviously the title of the novel itself, "Darkness on the Edge of Town." Which I believe also the album, that, that's a Bruce Springsteen album. When that album came out, it was also around 1977. So I think there's there's some, you know, poetry in motion there. I will say this book gives us more Hopper, which is fantastic. We get to see him be mischievous, go undercover, not trust authority, find clues, all the good Hopper stuff that st- Hopper does. But Hopper finishes the story for Elle and... and what what does Elle do with this knowledge? It, it, not much. You know what I mean? She she sort of falls asleep before it's done, kind of. She I don't know. It, there's a, there's a, a cuteness to it, but for me, it felt like this was maybe a bedtime story for Elle. Well, that's just my interpretation, though. I'm just trying to let people know what it is. Right, well, Sawyer has different opinions, but agree to disagree. There is. Well, yeah, I just, uh-huh. I, I hear you, okay? And I, I, I apologize. Anyway, if you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe. And you can also follow me at Nick Margellos on Instagram. I'm taking a, a break from it currently, but I'm sure I'll be back soon. So you can, uh, you can also email me at uh, stranger things pod at gmail.com feel free to uh just like slurping on his binky right now <laughs> feel free to send uh, me questions comments concerns whatever it may be uh and also it should be said that this podcast could not have been made without the kindness and generosity of mr bruce springsteen who not only graciously donated this song for today's episode, but also provided the recording space, editing, and audio equipment, and, and much, much love. Thank you, Bruce. And until next time, folks, happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye.